and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing God's love. Andrew, welcome back to the podcast. I've missed it. I've been away for a while. We've missed you. Have you been able to listen to our new episodes that dropped? I did listen to the last one. Did yes. you? Yeah, of course. No way. I was so intrigued to see what you guys would say. Okay, so what do you think? Can men and women be friends? I thought you guys did a great job. Oh, okay, okay. Talking through it. Good out. Good no, out. I thought it was helpful. I hadn't thought about all the different things you talked about. I didn't listen to, was there was two before that on friendship. So I didn't listen yeah. to those yet. While I was out, I was trying not to think or do much with That's good. Providence and work stuff, but I did listen to it and I thought it was helpful to yeah, think through it. I know. Do you think the conversation changed anything that you thought after, whether it was all the friendship stuff or the men and women stuff mm-hmm. from where you were going into it? Because I know we talked about yeah. doing a little series like that for a while. So anything that came from either just your own conversation or as you've talked to people like giving feedback that changed anything you thought on friendship or men and women in friendship? Yeah, great question. I realized one, just how much God had been ahead of us in the whole production of actually recording and posting that because people reached out, quite a few actually, that said, hey, this has been something God's been putting on my heart of how to behave in friendships, how to not make my friends God, but also how to have good conversations about being honest in friendships. And so that was just really cool and fun. I had a conversation with Nate this morning and he's kind of shifting and feeling like, okay, yeah, Hmm. maybe I would call women friends. And so it's just been fun to kind of navigate. And for me personally, I feel like I always kind of was leaning on the side of yes, men and women can be friends, but it just made me question a lot of my interactions, my actions. And because I do have a guy friend that I'll hang out with once a quarter or whatever, and we'll go get coffee. And I talked to Kellen about it and Kellen's like, I mean, that's fine. I don't know. And so it's just as interesting how, yeah, but I'm also telling people, Hey, don't hang out with someone one-on-one. Like, I don't know. So I just feel like I'm more trying to evaluate my motives, my heart to make sure that what I'm saying is lining up with what I'm doing too. Yeah. I do think it's interesting because the Bible's primary way of communicating about the church is in family language, which Mm -hmm. I know Nate talked about and you guys were discussing kind of the brother-sister thing, not verse friends, but kind of in comparison and contrast to that. And I do think that's interesting. I hadn't totally thought about that, that the language really is almost always familial, Mm -hmm. not just like friendship. And I know that you guys mentioned a couple friend examples, but there's I mean, it's littered throughout every book of the Bible where it talks about family structures or calling the people of God family. So it's just interesting to think through a brother-sister relationship and what that's maybe different or how that's the same as how we use the word friend in our context. Because it does feel, that question feels very like context-dependent Agreed for us in our, not even just in our church, but just in America. And that mm-hmm. probably isn't the same question or people would answer that different in churches around the world and at different times. So uh, I think it was good to think through, but that piece I think was helpful to just start to think about yeah, how we use the idea of friendship and what that is similar and how that's different than how the Bible talks about 
us being brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the whole thing was just really helpful and I'm honestly still wrestling and thinking through it all, but that's good. Well, speaking of family, we can't gloss over the fact that Andrew, you have a little baby girl now. No, we had a little addition to our family. Oh, uh, okay. I know we don't, I mean, I honestly could spend this whole episode asking you <laughs> Me too. about I could her, talk about it all day. But tell us a fun story from when you brought her home and how you've seen her interact with the boys, with Bailey. Do you guys have like a, fun family story that kind of sticks out or that you thought, wow, this is really sweet. The first thing that comes to mind is that, okay, so when we had her, it was on a Thursday a couple weeks ago and the boys came. So they were the first ones that got to come and meet her. And so they walked in the room. I, I went out and got them from the hallway, brought them in. And both of them kind of like very shyly and quietly like walked up to her as Bailey's holding her on the bed. And both of them were pretty good. Jet kind of stood away a little bit. So he's six and he kind of was looking, but stood away. Riggs, who's three, legitimately walked right up to her, like kind of put his arms around her and like kissed her like on, you know, she's wrapped up in a blanket and kind of kissed her like just on the blanket or whatever. And that lasted for about 20 seconds. And Riggs was legitimately done. Like he did not want to see her or talk about her or anything. Cause then both of our parents came in that night and uh, Riggs was just over it. He had like a little book and a big train and he was just done. He just wanted to do that. He wanted to leave where Jet was a little bit more interested, wanted to hold her and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But then when we brought her home, it didn't totally switch, but Riggs got a lot more interested. So Hmm. uh, Drew has this little like bouncer uh, that she'll sit in sometimes and Riggs will just go over there and it's kind of off the ground a little bit so it can kind of bounce a rock and he'll like put his legs under it and kind of Aww. like almost act like he's holding her like in the bouncer and so <laughs> that's been really sweet and Jet has been pushing boundaries a little bit mm-hmm. it, as far as like because we let him hold her but now he'll like pick her if we're not like there so he'll like pick her up and bring her somewhere and so He's doing well, but he makes us a little bit nervous. Yeah. Oh, totally. But he's doing great, honestly. <laughs> but how sweet. They're the little older brothers that are just trying to be older brothers. I know. And Riggs is learning that he's not the baby of the family oh, anymore. Has that been hard for him? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And it's just hard because we probably baby him more than we should have because he was so sick and mm-hmm. stuff. It was just hard for the first year or two. So he probably has an extra dose of that like youngest child baby of the family a little bit. And so now that he's not, it's just been interesting. He's done great with her. It's more so with Bailey and I, he gets a little bit more clingy Mm -hmm. and whiny and stuff, but overall they're doing great. Oh, that's so fun. And it's so fun to see their love for her, especially when they got to talk about, Oh, she's in mom's tummy and now she's here. And so it's just fun that you guys get to, yeah, have that happen and they get to witness it and you guys get to see life through their eyes. Yeah, they've they've done great. It's been really sweet for Bailey and I too. We've just talked a lot about, mm-hmm. I mean, she's only as of now like three weeks old, but it's interesting to think about just how we feel towards her or, I mean, she doesn't do anything different at this point than a boy would, but there's just something in us that just feels different. Aww. And so it's just crazy because we didn't know, you know, we have two boys, yeah. so we didn't know how that will feel, if it does feel different, if that takes time. I mean, obviously, I'm sure it will as she grows up. But at this stage, we didn't know what that would feel like. And it feels a little different to us, Hmm. primarily me, honestly, more than Bailey. Yeah, which I have some questions along with that. But it actually goes with our topic today, which is God's love. And I wanted to dive into this because, Andrew, as I explained to you, I feel like you guys just have such a deeper understanding of God's love 
especially in the last couple of seasons with you, with your kidney transplant, with Bailey and finding out that she has diabetes and trying to navigate life with that. Riggs' sickness. I mean, you guys just have had trial after trial, but you talk about how much you can feel God's love for you and care for you. And so that coupled with this love that you have for a child, I've just been curious of how you've experienced God's love and yeah, in hopes that it actually would impact the people listening and myself too, of being able to hear it through a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, I, it, that's encouraging to hear because I would say because of a lot of parts of my story growing up, the emotional awareness, a vulnerability relationally was really challenging for me and kind of non-existent for most of my life. Hmm. And so I became a Christian at 20 and what really connected and what I like felt was I had a lot of guilt. I didn't even realize I had a lot of shame too in my life. I didn't really realize it at the time. What I knew was that I am guilty. Like I just, Mm -hmm. everything I was doing in life at that point, I was 20 years old. I just knew like, this is just not right. And when I knew that Jesus would forgive me of sins, and that's the idea of like justification, that you're legally made right with God. And that's a beautiful thing. And it, it has to happen or else you can't be with God. That just like clicked and stuck in me. Uh, what didn't translate right away was the relational intimacy and love with God. And that probably lasted for five. I mean, I've been a Christian for 12 or 13, 13 years now. So probably for five to 10 years, I didn't really understand that. Most of it was, I'm a horrible sinner and Jesus died to pay for that sin. His blood was shed. God's wrath was poured out. And I am now good, clean, made right with God. And that was beautiful. And that was also part of like just the teaching I was receiving at that point really emphasized that. And so that's most of my understanding of God was I was bad and he forgave me through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm made new in him, which again is an amazing truth. But the love and relational aspect for sure did not come right away. Yeah, which I think that's a lot of people's stories or understanding, at least for people who Mm. have grown up in the Reformed tribe. I feel like that's something that's, kind of hounded in on because you were once lost in sin. Now that you are in Christ, you're actually like loved and cared for. And I think it's interesting that it kind of took like five years for God to really oh, yeah. illuminate that that was something that you were hanging on to. And that his love was so much deeper and greater than it took that. a lot of suffering in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. I was going to ask like, yeah. what was that the five year mark? Yeah. I mean, probably at that point, Bailey and I's relationship. So we had a really rough dating well, really dating, engagement, and the first few years of marriage. It was just really hard for a lot of different reasons. And it was a lot of suffering, a lot of tears, Mm -hmm. a lot of like scars from my past that were coming out and a lot of new scars that were being made. And so the reality of God has died to forgive me of my sins or Jesus has died to forgive me of my sins and now I'm good with God, that was needed, but it wasn't, it's not the whole story. And so it wasn't as comforting when I'm in pain. Cause it's yeah. like, well, I know that when I sin, I'm forgiven, but what happens when just all of life is kind of falling apart or other people are sinning against me, that doesn't necessarily comfort. Cause that's just saying I'm guilty and I'm forgiven. But what about when all of a sudden all this shame, cause there's a lot of secrecy, a lot of things from my past that nobody really knew about was like coming out. There was all that shame and hurt and pain. And that piece of the gospel doesn't directly address that necessarily. And it's why the gospel is so good. And we get to just enjoy it and study and meditate on it forever. Because there's so many facets of it that just heal every part of us. Mm. 
And so I think between, yeah, relationship with Bailey and, and that just being challenging, we had a miscarriage, there was stuff um, just within our like church community and there were things with my job and what I was doing, just, it was just one thing after another that got really hard, which then obviously led into all of the health issues we've had over the last four years. And even planting a church was really hard. And so it was just a lot of real deep challenges that just the idea of justification that I'm legally right with God that wasn't fully answering or satisfying mm. or giving comfort in those moments. And so I think God was taking me on a journey of figuring out th- maybe more of what God has in his plan of salvation in a relationship with us. And so unfortunately, and I haven't found this in most people's lives, that a, like a depth to your understanding with the Lord and relationship with him, I just don't know how that happens outside of suffering. It just feels like that's just God's means to do it. Yeah, that's interesting. It reminds me of last night, Kellen told some people that were over, I actually really am grateful for suffering in hard times because it grows you so much and God uses that. And I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, like you're just being so positive, but it is true. And thank you for saying all of that because you've alluded to some of those things, but I didn't realize just the sheer amount of things that were mounting and honestly, probably pressing you to a breaking point of realizing okay, there needs to be something more because I need God's love in a bigger sense than I probably ever needed it before. Yeah. What do you think for you, what was that like? Do you feel like you understood that like relational intimacy, experiencing love from God early on in your life? Because you grew up in the church, Christian family, all of that. I think I'm still honestly growing in that understanding. I think it was a lot like what you said of we're justified and then made right. But then even recently starting to realize, oh, because God loved us so much, he saved us from our sin, from everything. And the way that I equate it in my mind is like, it's like me dying for someone so that they can get to know my parents and like be their children. Like that, that seems very sacrificial and like loving. But as far as thinking about God delighting in me, how he made me, and that he created me in my mother's womb and knew how he would create me. That's something that I honestly, until this podcast episode, hadn't really fathomed or realized. And Jared Cleaver actually was the one who was mentioning it because he said, when my kids mess up and they come to me, if they're groveling and they're like, I'm the worst sinner in the world, can you just forget? He's like, that's actually like not healthy. And I just love them regardless anything that they can do for me. Like, I just love them. And then I thought about you and Bailey and I was like, yeah, Drew came out and you guys just love her. Like the way that you're talking about her, she didn't do anything. She eats, sleeps and goes to the bathroom and like, that's it. But you guys just like love her so deeply. It helps that she's very cute. (laughs) But I understand that that does help. But it's just, I don't know. So I feel like my mind is just starting to unravel God's love. Yeah, And that's why I had so many questions on it because I'm like, Yeah, I think with my struggles and hardships, because Kellen and I had a horribly hard engagement, we have had a blissful, honestly, marriage like together, and it's been so fun, but there's been external factors and relational struggles with other people that have been Mm. crippling in a lot of ways. And I think I haven't turned to actually be like, oh, God loves me, and that's why he's allowing this. Like, doesn't it say in James that he like tests those that he loves or something with trials. Yeah, and in Hebrews it talks about like, you know, any discipline or hardship that's coming when it, when you're a child of God, it's coming as a loving father disciplining, not in order to make you feel bad or condemn 
or pile on shame, mm-hmm. but in order to get you to a place that he knows is best for you. And but that's really hard. I mean, yeah. again, just the parenting example, any sort of discipline, like I remember when I was a kid and I'd get grounded or whatever. It was done because there was behavior that was destructive in my life that if I continued on would be really, I mean, when you're 12 and you're getting in trouble or 15, it's not nearly as bad as if you keep doing that into your 20s or 30s or 60s. Like if you never change that pattern, it's only leading to destruction. So any good loving parent is going to give you something hard in the moment that's hopefully going to correct and and change. Now, most kids, you know, most 14-year-olds, aren't thinking, man, my mom or dad is the most amazing person because they grounded me for two weeks. Like nobody thinks that in the moment because you're sitting there grounded. You don't get to go out on Friday or you don't get to watch TV or you don't get to whatever. Um, But long-term, again, if you have loving parents that are doing that, hopefully in 10 years, you look back and think, man, I'm so grateful my parents course corrected Mm -hmm. that and they did that out of love, even though in the moment it stunk. And when you're 25 and you're looking back to when you were disciplined at 15, you know, when you're grounded for three weeks, it probably felt like eternity, right. you know, because your friends are doing stuff mm-hmm. and you're not. And it's just like every day just probably feels like it's dragging on. Well, then you're 25 and you're like, oh yeah, that's like a tiny blip on the radar of my whole life. And I think that is how it functions with God. The problem is just like when we're children, we are just so prone to being caught up in the moment. And so we've talked a lot about this, that suffering when it goes on for a while just feels like eternity. Although again, even for us, we are out of some of those situations. And I'll just use, you know, Bailey and I's relationship and issues that we had before we were married, issues honestly for like six to seven years in our marriage until the last year or two. Looking back now, I'm like, yeah, I remember that feeling like a long time, but there was so much good that happened. Like I don't, it, it now doesn't feel like that was forever you know, year one, two, three of marriage, it was like, this is the worst thing ever. And I can't imagine five more decades of this, you know, and it just felt like so long. But now I just see how in God's love as a father, he was doing all of that. And once you can start to recognize those things about the past, it doesn't make it automatic or simple to do that in the present, but it's helped. Like, at least for me, when I do feel like, what is God doing? Why is this taking so long? What, you know, why is this happening? It does help to just keep going back and think, okay, I remember feeling that before and God was faithful to get it through. And so I'm going to trust that now, even if it takes five more days or five more years or whatever. And so it really is through him, like finding you in the pit of suffering and bringing you out that you, I, I think just see his love as a father. And there's probably a lot of other outlets or ways, but I think that's one that for most Christians is not avoidable. Like at some point, life's going to get really hard. And the good news of the gospel is that he takes those lowest moments and he does do something through, and we can trust that and that it's not meaningless and it's not coincidence that you're in that place. Mm -hmm. It's actually by God's providence, him guiding you into somewhere just as a good loving parent does for their teenager. Yeah. Okay. So then what would you say specifically to the people who are in those seasons? I mean, if someone had told you that during the first or second year, you'd be like, I mean, I'm assuming for you, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Like God's going to use this. But when you're in the pit, that's all you can see. Like sometimes it's hard to actually see in front of you. What was helpful to get you through that? Probably the number one thing that was helpful was the Psalms of Lament. Mm -hmm. And I, between seasons of suffering and between 
preaching through the Psalms every summer at Providence, I just did not know how many Psalms are actually just like lament, like crying right. out to God. What was incredibly freeing about that is, well, two things. One, there's some Psalms that when they talk to God, it makes you feel like, I don't think you should say that to God. <laughs> like in my mind, I remember reading some like, that must not be what they mean. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, because David will cry out that God has left him, that God doesn't care about him. And I, you know, and I think again, in kind of a immature, newer, I'm like, well, you, you should theologically know that God's love is for <laughs> right. you. You should know this. And then you go through suffering and I realized, oh yeah, in this moment, it does feel like God's left me. And I know that's not true, but it sure feels like it. Like it really does feel like God just said, I'm done. Like I, or, you know, when marriage was really hard, it just felt like I got like tricked into this or I made a huge mistake and God just didn't care or whatever. And so I think one, just feeling the freedom to say, oh, God has given those words. I mean, that's God's words through David or the other psalmist to pray back to God. It was this freeing, like, it's okay to bring those things to God. It's not necessarily right. Like those things he's saying isn't right, but it's right to take those feelings that you get to the Lord. And what's so great about the Psalms of Lament is that they all, when you do that, you take honest feelings to God. God will engage with you at that level. And it may not be instantly, but it does turn to this like trust and faith in God. And almost all of the Psalms of Lament, it ends with some sort of praise or confidence statement. Like, you know, this is what it feels like. It feels like you've left me. How long is this going to go on? But I know that you're faithful and I will trust in you. And it's not this like, now everything's better. It's just, I'm going to keep going and trust in you. So the Psalms of Lament were super, super helpful. The other thing I would say really is just leaning on other people in those moments. Like for Bailey and I both, it just kind of cycled. Like there were some moments where I felt really confident and just filled with faith and she was kind of in a despairing moment and vice versa. And more so the other way where I would be just, you know, in despair of my own health and if things were going to get better or if our son was ever going to get healthy or whatever. And she would be the one to, in some ways, speak that in. Because like you said, sometimes you need that spoken to you. And sometimes you need just the silent prayers and presence of someone where she's not even necessarily out loud praying for me, but she is. She's praying and she's just there. And that's just enough in that season. And so I don't think there's like a formula for that of like, let's say you're not the one suffering right now, but you have a friend who's like deeply going through it. I don't think there's a, a formula of like, well, when should you kind of push them and say, hey, you you might be going a little too far. Like you need to, you know, have that psalm of lament, get to the point where you say your confidence statement that I'm going to be in the Lord. Sometimes you need to do that. And sometimes, you know, like Job's friends, that's just a really foolish thing to say. And you need to just sit with him in suffering. And so that takes a lot of wisdom. But the good news is, again, we believe that God's spirit is in all of us, and he does love us. And so he's offering his community to be a voice of encouragement or correction or just presence through these people. And so if, you know, as a friend or a spouse or a family member, you just really rely on God and his spirit to, you know, hold your tongue when you should or speak when you should, mm-hmm. just be present when you should or give space when you should, I think he really will do that because. Yeah. He loves the person in the suffering and has a purpose for them more than anybody else. And so we just have to trust that our community around us can do that. And as a friend or family member, um, I would just encourage a ton of prayer for wisdom on how to engage with people 
in really hard times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing is community, at least for me personally, because when I was going through a really hard time in college, honestly, journaling was huge. Also reading the Psalms, but journaling my own Psalm to the Lord and ending it with, yeah, I will still trust in you. Or I still believe that you're good. And it was crazy that even my spirit could be like, yeah, but God's still good through all of this. And then with Kellen, it was just such an unexpected turn of events for my life and frustration just because I was like, I don't understand why I'm suffering. And in God's kindness, he brought people to encourage me and remind me, hey, this is actually how we've seen you grow. Hey, this is actually what God says. And I think that's why it's so important to have such a solid community of believers around you that can speak truth or like you said, can hold their tongue and not say anything because that might actually be the wisest thing and you might just need comfort. But I think for me, having people that really can point me back to Christ has been just instrumental in this season. Yeah, maybe one more thing I would say, and this is just from our experience now with Drew. When we were coming up with her name, we've experienced a lot this last year of God bringing us out of some of those moments. And again, it's not all super simple and easy, but there was the sense that this year, it feels like, you know, Bailey and I would both say our marriage is in the healthiest place it's ever been. It feels like we're relatively healthy physically. It feels like emotionally, whether it's just us and the Lord or with each other or with other people are just in a far healthier place. And so I think it's really important when you do go through some of those moments to have very clear markers. Um, you know, in the Bible, it talks about, it's the word Ebenezer. It's these like, that's a physical like stone or, or, or people would set up altars in the Old Testament or just these things that are tangible physical things that mark God's faithfulness for you, for you to continue to remember. Um, so this is why I think it's important, uh, like having certain days like to remember. So again, one of the things for us when I actually was going through all the health stuff and we got the transplant on October 13th. Like that day mm. is just a marker for us of God's faithfulness. Cool. Uh, I had my seizure where I almost lost my life two days before Thanksgiving. So just Thanksgiving every year now, it's just this marker of like every year, it's a reminder that I could not have this year, but I do. So there's certain days like that. It's good. One of the things that we did with Drew is we just really felt like, so we had that name years before for a mm-hmm. little girl, um, mostly obviously just because of my name. And so that was part of it where it started. Um, but then we found this verse in Psalm 18 that just felt like it captured these this last, I mean, handful of years for us and how she really is in herself a marker of God's faithfulness. So this is Psalm 18 verses 16 through 19. Uh, The psalm says, He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters, he rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And for us, those few verses just captured what it's felt like over the last five years or so, and that we've been in that place, and we've actually experienced the Lord being our support, bringing us out, rescuing us, delighting in us, loving us, um, even through the pit. And obviously, the first verse um, is just the marker of how it says, he drew me out of that. And so uh, once we, Bailey's the one who kind of got that idea of like the Lord 
has really drawn us to himself Mm -hmm. and together as a family. And a lot of that happened this last year and through pregnancy and now through um, this little girl, Drew. Mm -hmm. And Mm so we just named her that as a way of saying, like, we want her to always be marked for our family, but also just for her life. Like, we want her to be someone that knows that God does that and for that to embody her in her life of drawing out to the Lord and trusting in God, and that she would always know that He delights in her. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important, too, as you go through these moments, are just remembering God's love and faithfulness to you by days, by naming things, by giving something tangible and physical that you can remember His love and faithfulness for us. That's good. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.